Welcome to Hemp Barons, Tommy Gibbons of Hempitecture. It is so wonderful to have you here today. Thank you for having me on, Joy. I can't wait to get a conversation going with you. You know what my very favorite product is of all the twenty-five to 50,000 to whatever bazillion products we have been shouting from the rooftops can be made from hemp. Hempcrete is my favorite product. And you, my brother, live and breathe in the hempcrete world and in hemp building materials. First of all, can you tell us what brought you to hemp? Ooh, that's a good question. Well, Maddie Mead and I have known each other since we were freshmen in high school. And so Maddie is the CEO of Hempitecture. I'm the chief operations officer of Hempitecture. And I was living in San Francisco doing something completely unrelated, um, maybe using hemp in different ways um, that were legal. <laughs> and I wanted to build a tiny home. You know, California had such high rent prices. I didn't feel like I needed a lot of space. I had a, a little plot of land picked out kind of by the by the coast. I was like, you know what? I can just build a small, tiny home here. And for the cost that it would take to build that, maybe that would save um, what I spend in rent in a year or two. And so I went to a tiny home workshop in Ashland, Oregon. It's a beautiful spot there. And I was kind of expecting to learn how to build tiny homes here. And it was really just a bunch of slides that this presenter gave to us for two days. And I didn't learn really anything, but there was one slide that mentioned hempcrete. And I looked up and I was like, oh, this is something I do recognize. And everyone in the audience was so enamored with this building material, hempcrete, and they kind of all pepped up and, and became alive. And they were peppering the guy with questions like, how do I get this material? What does it cost? What do I use it for? Is it structural? And I was like, wow, all these people are super interested in this building material. And I remember my high school classmate, Maddie Mead, had a Kickstarter he launched after college to go build a hemp house in Idaho. And my first thought was, well, maybe I can build my tiny home out of hempcrete and Maddie can help me. So I called Maddie and he was like, you know, yeah, I've got a project going on in Bellingham. Um, maybe there's a chance to schedule in the tiny home and we can work on that together. And um, the more research I did and the more I spoke with Maddie, it became, okay, I don't want to just build a tiny house for myself to live in. Let's build this company so that more people can get their hands on this material because it could be a huge solution to climate change. And it could be honestly change the way people feel and think about nature and their built environment. Like we're next to drywall right now, 100% of the time. Imagine if it was a natural plant-based material, like wouldn't that affect our day-to-day -day and, and how we went about our days and about our lives? And so I just became really, really interested in learning as much about hempcrete as possible. And Maddie and I talked more and more and I had kind of a corporate background, early stage startups, and Maddie was a builder and an architecture background. And it just seemed like a marriage to launch this company and bring it to more people across the United States. I was just going to say, what a beautiful synchronicity that is. Uh, talk about working in tandem and hand in hand. And I just have to ask, that tiny home workshop that you attended in Ashland, Oregon, was that Andrew Morrison? Yes, Andrew and Gabrielle. Yes. <laughs> Andrew, we uh, are friends. We've spent time in J Jamaica together and presented together at Build Expo Jamaica. I love those guys. They're fantastic. Um, and, and when was when was this uh, workshop, the year that you that you discovered this? October of 2017. And I had wow. I had supported Maddie's Kickstarter back in 2013, 2014, but you know, just followed him on Instagram passively. And so that's what put me back on the radar. And then all winter we were talking and he actually came oh. to San Francisco. Yeah. 
Beautiful. I'm just giggling because Andrew and Gabrielle and I were together for Build Expo Jamaica in June of 2017. So when all of that hempcrete stuff came along in October of 2017, I'm sure there were some good vibes and good memories. I love this story. And so what brought you to hemp was a dwelling for yourself, shelter for yourself, and seeking the best material that you could come up with for your quality of life and for economical purposes as well. And and as we know, uh, the economy of building with hemp construction, the that whole uh, schematic and, and calculations are really starting to get very much so commensurate with traditional with traditional building. So. You decided to join Hemp Detector uh, with with Maddie and move forward there. How many builds have you folks done so far? Now, I know you're involved in all kinds of, there's no way to quantify the many different projects that you touch, that you're a part mm-hmm. of, but any like full-on builds that you've done in the United States yet? I would say, I estimate we've built 15 projects like with our own labor. Um, so that's, you know, us showing up at the job site, mixing the hempcrete and installing it in the walls. Now we've supplied probably 40, 45 projects for or materials supplied for people to build them themselves. And our other hemp building material, hemp wool, uh, we've supplied over 250 customers. Wow. So that's really where we've been um, getting the most hemp into homes is through our hemp wool insulation. And let's talk about the hemp wool insulation. There, of course, we see wool insulation in and of itself, a fantastic material. And uh, in New Zealand, and as you may very well have heard of Greg Flaval, who's a mentor of mine from Hemp Technologies, he was in New Zealand for many years. And, you know, we'd hear the idealist that said, I want hempcrete in the floor. I want hempcrete in the ceiling. I want hempcrete everywhere. But when you have more uh, sheep than you have people, such as in New Zealand, you use what is local, what is sustainable, what works. So no, in New Zealand, you're getting wool in that mm-hmm. <laughs> in that yeah. ceiling, etc. Then of course, uh, there's just hemp batting insulation, just a non-woven bast fiber, that outer bark. Um, explaining all of this for the listeners, certainly you're well aware of these terms. And then there's hemp wool together. Is that the product that you and Maddie are selling at Hemp Detector? Is hemp and wool together? It is I see what you're saying. It is not, there's no sheep's wool insulation in hemp wool. We just kind of call it the wool because there's rock wool, there's sheep's wool, there's glass wool. Um, It's common to use wools to talk about an insulation product. Um, So that's why we chose the name hemp wool. I love it. So it's 100% hemp, essentially, and you're using sort of the term, or or are there other fibers in there, Tommy? Yes, there are. It's 92% hemp fiber. And then it's eight percent polyester fiber. So polyester is a petrochemical-based product. So eventually, when we're manufacturing ourselves, and we'll get into that, um, we would like to substitute a more natural or a, a you know a less embodied carbon uh, fiber into that process. But the polyester textile fiber is what binds the hemp fibers together. Understood. And of course tremendous uh, qualities to hemp wool batting for insulation uh, and explain some of those to the listeners. Similar, uh, of course, not the entire U value or R value here in the United States of hempcrete, but some wonderful and similar properties. Explain those to the listeners, if you would. Yeah. So hemp wool is, for the 
environmental standpoint, it's hard to beat, right? So you're using a natural material that can be grown on a renewable basis and has a negative or very low embodied carbon footprint, which the entire building sector is like, hang on a second. We had no idea we were producing so much CO2 to build buildings. We need to change the materials we use. Um, so that's why this material is really kind of come into fashion as, as quite recently. Um, so one, the environmental footprint is very good. Uh, two, yeah, it's energy efficient insulation. So you're going to reduce your heating and cooling bills when you add insulation to your home. It's like putting on a warm jacket. Um, three, and, and what I think is really key is it's really easy to use. If you imagine like fiberglass insulation where the shards kind of get in the air and you need to have a lot of PPE and if you install it and then need to go get it out, you're like afraid to touch it or a same thing really with rock wool insulation. Um, and then spray foam, you need to hire someone who's specially trained who's going to show up in a space suit and they're going to spray that petrochemical insulation all over your, uh, all over your wall cavity. Hempel, I mean, I installed it with friends in my crawl space, this building that I'm in currently. Um, we all just had a party one night, had a bunch of food ordered, and we went downstairs and just started popping the hemp pool into the cavity. And it's like, what other insulation can you have fun with your friends while you're installing? Like virtually none. Um, so I think ease of use is probably going to be one of the, the biggest winners for getting builders on board because the insulation industry has a lot of turnover. It's it's not one of the most glorified trades. You know, framers have some expertise with math and concrete masons. You know, they know about the formulas for producing foundations. Um, but the insulation installers are like two weeks on the job and then they quit. And then they find someone else who just needs to make a paycheck two weeks on the job and then they quit because they just hate working with the materials that exist. Um, so I think a lot of builders are very enthusiastic about the ability to retain workers, uh, improve worker health by, with this material, and um, just have an easier installation process where they don't need to go and ask the spray foam guy and book his calendar months ahead in advance. And so that's what they seem to like about it. So much easier on uh, the tradespeople. Obviously, it's fantastic. But in terms of performance, I obviously it performs better than the pink stuff. But let's talk about, and it's funny because, you know, I, I do interviews all the time, of course, and I'm a moderating panels all the time. And uh, and and when I ask about hemp, and and of course, why have, uh, did I ever get involved in hemp, in hemp 30 years ago for the environmental impact and the, and the sheer necessity of it. But that was that was 21-year-old joy or 20-year-old joy. And uh and the reality is that I've certainly learned over the years that choosing hemp for the performance alone is enough of a reason. So and when I ask um folks that I'm, I'm interviewing, we all we always end up starting with the environmental impact, which is fantastic. But let's talk about the performance. Fire insulation value, uh, pest, mold, those types of things. Could you tell us a little bit about that with the hemp wool batting? Yes, and, and that is really an important um, aspect to, to talk about as well because the hemp fiber is, is extremely durable and extremely resilient. So it's not going to get uh, – it's not going to promote mold growth on it. It's not going to um, be pest infested or rodent infested. It's really like a semi-rigid insulation product and does a really good job of filling the cavity. And so you can imagine if you put in fiberglass insulation, like a cotton candy kind of fluffy stuff, it slumps. And it, over time, it loses its performance, especially if it gets wet. And it'll slump in the cavity. And then you have basically a highway for all your warm air to escape through. So mm. hemp has got this great density to it where it's you know light and, and easy to carry, but it's very rigid and, and 
pressure fit inside your wall cavity. So that leads to a, a great insulation performance. The R value per inch of hemp wool is measured at 3.7. So it's R13 for a two by four construction, R20 for a two by six construction, and that's identical to fiberglass and maybe a little bit less than rock wool, depending on the manufacturer of rock wool. Um, but it's it's industry standard, which is good. Hempcrete is a little bit of a different animal, right? Because you're building like you're encasing your frame, you're taking out a vapor barrier, uh, you're not using drywall, and instead you're plastering over the hempcrete. And hempcrete's really phenomenal for its fire resistance. So it is naturally a class A fire rated material, like as well as no mold growth or, or anything of that nature. Hemp wool is not naturally fire resistant. It needs to add fire retardants to it. You can imagine it's an organic material made of carbon. It certainly could burn if ignited. Um, so that's something that we'll be looking to add to our blend of hemp wool insulation is a, a fire retardant to um, meet the class A fire rating. But hempcrete is great for that, that fact that it is fire retardant. You're building a much thicker wall usually because it's around R2 to R3 per inch, depending on your, your formulation. And so when you have a thick wall like that, you have a lot of thermal mass. And so basically, you know, it's like putting a brick in the oven where it gets really, really hot. And then when you take it out of that oven, it still holds onto that heat for a fairly long time. And that really helps with the heating and cooling cycles during your day. Uh, so it can give radiant heat off at night when, you, when it's stored energy from the sun during the day. And then during the day, it takes a long time to heat up. So it won't, you won't be baking inside your house when the sun's coming in. That beautiful reconciliation that exists only in hempcrete of thermal capacity, thermal conductivity, all aces. Just fantastic. Um, and, of course, the lime is, is so much the magic in the hempcrete when it comes mm -hmm. to that fire retardant. Truly. Well, I can't wait any longer in this interview. We got to talk now about you guys creating your own hemp wool batting insulation. This is just so fantastic to learn that Idaho, which of course was the last hanger on the 50th state to legalize the cultivation of hemp, and it just happened in the last couple of months, here Hempitecture is moving on into Idaho, breaking ground to start to create that supply chain, not just in the state, but for the nation, for the continent uh, internationally. So please tell us about how you ended up in Idaho and what the heck is going on in <laughs> Idaho with Empitecture. Yes. So it really is exciting what we're going to be doing here in the next few years. And we're very proud to call this home to our first uh, manufacturing production facility. Maddie came here on a whim, not knowing anything about Idaho after college to build Idaho Base Camp, which is an outdoor recreational center for youths, uh, campers, people from the inner city, people from local in Idaho. They just get to get outside and kind of spend time in the wilderness and reconnect with nature. And so he built a hempcrete home for them. And we've since built several hempcrete structures for these guys. And um, so that Maddie just came here, built the house, loved it so much, never moved back to New Jersey in the East Coast where we, we both grew up. Um, and so when I came to join him, I, I went out on a visit for one weekend and it was the closing weekend at the ski mountain that we live near. And we had a blast. We both love snowboarding. And, you know, we figured we could do what we're doing almost from anywhere, um, building projects, supplying materials. Why not make Idaho our home? And when you think of where we're located, uh, it really makes a lot of sense, right? The hemp growing regions, Montana, Oregon, Colorado, even Wyoming and Utah, to an extent, have processing facilities going up, as well as Alberta, which has been growing industrial hemp for years now. Um, we're kind of at the the funnel, the bottom of the funnel for all of that raw biomass 
that we can take in and then turn into our value added insulation product. So, and then when you think about where we need to ship to, yeah, Idaho is a fast growing state. And so there's demand for building materials. Um, so is Utah, but we can really hit from Seattle down to Los Angeles uh, within like a 14 hour drive. And so it really brings, uh, it's gonna lower the cost of the material to our customers, decrease lead times, decrease the uh, embodied carbon associated with it because it's shipping a shorter distance. Um, so it, it really is a great place for us to put our first facility. And um, I can't wait to get it running. Lightning rods for the emerging industries, lightning rods to develop those trillion dollar industries that not only are going to have, of course, the true economic stability for our farmers, uh, but also the environmental stability. In order for us to really deliver on the promise of hemp, we need to feed the oilseed and fiber industries. And, and it's that infrastructure. The listeners hear me say it all the time. We've been asking farmers to grow a crop for which there's very little infrastructure. We've been asking entrepreneurs to invest in infrastructure for which there is very little crop. Of course, we are certainly not talking about hemp extract varieties, knowing that there has been a massive overproduction of that crop, but I mean oil, seed, and fiber crops. And here, uh, these processing facilities are coming up. You folks are champions, your heroes. Now, will the processing facility that you're putting up, is it going to be decortication, uh, which for the new listeners, that is the separation of the outer bark of the hemp hemp stock, also known as bast, from the inner woody core of the hemp stock known as shivs, shive, I call it herd, most Americans do call it herd. Um, that's decortication separating those two. Then that outer bast fiber, of course, is what you're going to make your non-woven hemp wool batting material from. And then the herd is aggregate for hempcrete, building materials, animal bedding. Are you doing all of that or are you just going to focus on the bast? So we are, yeah, we are just going to be making the bat insulation from the bast fiber and we won't be doing processing. So, you know, farmers, they email us a lot saying, Hey, I've got a crop. I got a lot of biomass sitting. Can you turn this into insulation? We buy it from us. And the answer is no, we, we deal with processing facilities and we buy the bales of fiber from them. That's already been separated. That shows up to our production facility. We open the bales as well as that polyester fiber that we use as a binder we mix them in uh, predetermined quantities. And so it's part hemp fiber, part polyester fiber. And then we basically blow them into a mat form. And so this mat can be three and a half inches thick. It can be five and a half inches thick, seven and a half inches thick. And it's, it's a web together. At this point, it's very brittle. Like you could break it apart quite easily. But you put it through an oven. And when you put it through an oven, the outer sheath of the polyester melts. And so now you have the inner sheath, which is very gooey, and it binds to the hemp fiber, and then it comes out of the oven, and it cools, and then it's like one really cohesive, strongly uh, welded together insulation material. Amazing what a little heat will do. Oh my yeah, goodness. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you just made that distinction because what you've made me realize in, in half of the first sentence that you responded to um, my statement is it is not a processing facility. It's a manufacturing facility. You guys are manufacturing hemp wool batting insulation. And how fantastic, because I certainly don't have to tell you, the folks who are doing the decorticating, the amount of bales of bast fiber that are, 
you know, piling up that need a manufacturing facility to go to, to continue on down and create these products and create that supply chain. This is so fantastic. Um, I also understand that there's something unique with hemp architecture going on right now, and that is investment opportunity. Hemp is hot, man. Tell us about the investment opportunity going on with hemp architecture right now. Yeah, and, and so Hemp Protectors never raised any outside capital. Um, we're one of those old-fashioned businesses that our customers have really funded the business. And we are changing that for the first time, and we're going to accept outside investment to apply towards per making this facility. And we're going to do it via equity crowdfunding. And equity crowdfunding is a semi-new vehicle. I think it was started you know, five or six years ago under the Obama administration, and it basically allows the small guys and the big guys to participate, right? Like we are so tired of having a Zoom meeting with a venture capitalist or some, you know, family office investor and go, giving the same story, um, you know, having them grill us. And they, you know, they always try and poke holes as to why this won't be the future, why this isn't going to happen. And it's like, okay, like we just want a partner that agrees with us and sees our vision is going to help us make that a reality. And we have all of our customers who email us and say, like, we think you're awesome. How can we support? Are you a penny stock? Are you an IPO? Like, how, how can we be a part of this? That it just became really clear one day for Maddie and I that, hey, why not use this more democratized investment vehicle that anyone can come in, swipe a credit card or connect a bank account, invest as little as $100 and be a Hempitecture shareholder. And that way it just feels grassroots and it just feels right. Um, so that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be launching that on June 1st. We'll definitely be announcing it to our email list first, as well as on social media. And um, I, I can't wait to see what the traction that comes. We've already had people line up kind of ahead of time, trying to preload their investments, making sure they get their allocation. But it, that's a really exciting component. We're also using a debt financing to purchase the equipment, um, you know, like an equipment loan to, to buy this machinery to manufacture it. Um, but then the equity can really go towards growing awareness, talking to architects, talking to builders, um, growing out our supply chain, reducing prices, like everything that it's going to take to make this the standard building material in the United States. And when are we expecting again to hear that announcement and where can we look for that opportunity? Because that is super exciting. Uh, June 1st should be our launch date. So expect to hear news around that time. And we'll blast on social media. We'll blast on our email list, which you can sign up for at hempotexture.com. Um, so our, our goal is to get this in people's ears and in front of their eyes so that anyone who, who wants to be participate can absolutely go ahead and do so. Um, so Wonder June 1st. Wonderful. And what that is telling me is, listeners, you will be hearing this interview after June 1st, which means the opportunity, we're living in the future right now, Maddie, as we're recording the show, which means the opportunity already exists out there. So you better, and, and will it be on your website as well at hempotector.com? Yeah, I think we'll put a Excellent. banner at the top to let people know about this um, and direct traffic there so they can evaluate the opportunity for themselves. Fantastic. This is just so great. Okay. Uh, man, you guys are moving and grooving, you and Maddie. Let's talk about the. You offer many services and a multiple products at hempitector.com. And as we know, because, and you probably realized for years, I was doing these. Uh, uh, hempcrete workshops and always having from wherever in the world Greg Flaval was later on in the day answer the technical questions mm -hmm. for the builders in the 
room that who had more <laughs> advanced technical questions beyond hempcrete 101 and making the sample block and and uh, and the PowerPoint. Um, and it's really it, in order for us to really make this mainstream. Not only, of course, do we need the rating working on that, but also we need for tradesmen and women uh, to be able to, to know how to install this material. And that's a, a major piece in the supply chain to get this going. You folks do hemp, hemp Creek contractor training on top of your own. Yes. Yeah, we do. Um, we Our intention was never to build every single hemp Creek project in the United States. Like we just wanted more hands that knew how to do this. And so uh, we did workshops in the beginning a little bit and we said, you know, what? We, we know the curriculum. Why don't we bring people to catch them? We'll have these mock-up walls and structures they can practice on. We have the mixers in place. We can show them different binders that we use. I do a portion called costing and estimating where I show you exactly how to calculate how much material you're going to need, how much, uh, what the cost is going to be. Um, so they can actually have some data points and start to make projects their own. And then we actually offer anyone who comes to that program an incentive to order through us, like a 10% material discount for life and a 5% equipment discount should they want to purchase material and equipment for their own projects going forward. And so I think we've had over 45 people come through that training program so far. And I would say 10 or 11 now have like hemp building businesses that they, they are operating and creating structures from. So it, it's really been awesome to grow it from that grassroots industry. I mean, Probably for a lot of, if you were to talk to someone from Saint-Gobain or someone who makes, you know, building materials en masse, the idea of like training people five at a time seems like such small piece to them. But, you know, that's how you create a grassroots mo movement and get people to know about this and feel comfortable using it. And... Hempitecture offers really affordable and obviously professional consulting services. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Although, before you answer, let me answer for a minute for you. You can book as little as a 15-minute call for $20. You can book right there online, and I imagine you can schedule it online as you move forward through the booking process. Is that right, Tommy? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And we put the consulting up there because man, did I have a lot of conversations about a lot of hemp building projects. Joy, I bet you went through the same thing. And I mean, I, I took a lot of them in the beginning and I wanted to build this and I wanted to you know, be a resource for everyone. Um, but then you know, the business, it just is a lot. You can spin your wheels, talk to people every day about these pie in the sky dream homes. Um, so it's a way to kind of filter out people who are, are serious about making this investment in a hemp building home. And it, it honestly is worth the the spend because we can answer a lot of questions, size up your project really quickly. If you want us to do a full project plan review and show us your architect plans, we can do that. Um, and so it, it is a necessary thing for us to kind of filter and vet customers and making sure that we're spending our time with the ones that um, need it the most. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I used to say there was a time when if you had the remotest interest in hemp, I would spend, if you were willing to talk to me, I would talk to you for three hours. You know, yeah. that ship has long since sailed. <laughs> 
Um, I will wave to you from afar as I am buried in, you know, all kinds. And then the other thing is that the pro bono work that I do, which takes up actually a good 40 hours of my week uh, each week, but they're they're for the the greater good, right? I'm doing them for tribes. I'm doing it for state departments of ag, for universities and colleges, you know, um, as opposed to one-on-one tire kickers. And God bless every last one of those tire kickers. but so important to capture that time and and keep it moving and and I also finally realized you know I I'm not even serving the movement and my own goals and vision well if I just allow myself to be watered down constantly constantly answering every question it it doesn't serve even the movement or my dreams well um so it's just so fantastic to see here that folks very affordably and by the way or uh, uh, you could spend 10 hours Googling yeah. about hempcrete, get 10 million different contradicting yeah. pieces of information and be none the wiser after your 10-hour investment. Or you can just book a consultation session with Empitecture. You, you make the choice. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. So much misinformation out there and just, again, contradicting. Now, let's get into the product line because we're talking not just materials, but also equipment here. Can you tell us Mm -hmm. a bit about the products you sell? Yeah, so we want to be able to outfit people with basically everything they need for a successful hempcrete project. So that, of course, includes hemp, includes binder, um, it includes mixing equipment that we've you know, kind of picked the best mixers that we've had success with. And then until recently, we also were a reseller of a, a French spray machine. So the idea of a spray machine, you, you could reduce the labor costs on a hempcrete project um, by installing it up to four times faster cubic feet per hour using this um, air-propelled uh, spray machine. But I can, I can tell you what, it's like a rocket ship holding that thing. It's a, it's a big undertaking. So it's not as friendly and peaceful and kumbaya as the cast in place method that we all know and love. But if it's just kind of more heavy metal hempcrete. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. And, and those puppies, I suppose, could get clogged occasionally. I, and, and I may be getting ahead of my skis. So what I'm about to say here is more of a question than a statement. Um, what I've imagined with, with spraying hempcrete is, you really need to sort of be one with the Crete and really know what the consistency is supposed to be like coming out if you're using one of those spray machines, I, I'm thinking, um, because then you'd be able to tell if, if something was amiss in the mix because, of course, it's that consistency in the mix that is, that is the magic. Have I, have my, has my inclination, um, is there any truth to that or is it just a wrong inclination? Um, no, you're actually very much correct. Um, traditionally, hempcrete is mixed in a ratio of roughly two pounds of binder to one pound of hemp. Um, the binder is obviously much more dense and the hemp is, is less dense. So you, you're putting it all together and you're mixing it with water and then you're putting it in between forms. When you're spraying it with this spray machine technology, you're using a very, very small amount of binder. The reason being, you know, it's traveling through these tubes up to your nozzle and out the, the nose of it onto the wall. If it's too heavy, it won't be able to aspirate. It, it, you won't have enough air force to really project it at the wall. So they do. We do. It's like a more of four pounds of hemp to three pounds of binder. So usually, you know, you're two pounds of binder to one pound of hemp. This is four pounds of hemp to three pounds of binder. So actually, more skewed towards hemp, um, but it's a very very sticky binder. So it's still able to hold the hempcrete together with without much water or binder content. 
just fascinating the the different techniques and and I'm sure that you know as the industries continue to emerge there'll be more and more innovation now the you sell the herd which of course you call hemp core that's the hemp detector name for for the aggregate itself hemp core mm-hmm. and then you sell the mineral binder is your formula in um in such an easy place where it's literally bag a binder per bag of hemp core it is. It actually is. Um, so that's exciting. 33 pounds of hemp can go with 33 pounds of binder. And even 44 pounds of hemp can go with 33 pounds of binder. So no matter which bale size you're using, uh, it's pretty much just open, open mix. Even more exciting news is that binder is made in France. It's made from a natural cement. So it's basically uh, pozzolanic limestone, naturally contaminated with clay in the limestone bed from these from the French Alps. Very special lime blend. But it's expensive to buy it there, bag it there, ship it here. We are now uh, able to sell an Idaho-based hempcrete binder. And that's not even on our website yet. So you're hearing this like before it's even released. So we've partnered with Limestrong and Hess Pumice. Uh, Limestrong is is in the plaster business, but they get a lot of hempcrete inquiries. And so we've helped them develop a hempcrete binder that is more similar to the two pounds to one pound uh, ratio. But it ships from Idaho, and it's made domestically, and it, and we're going to be putting it through all the testing necessary, thermal resistance, fire resistance, to really make this a codified and standardized binder that's easy to use and, and high-performing. That is super exciting because, of course, the lime, the lime, the lime is always – because folks who get into hempcrete by and large, particularly the pioneers, um, you know, our main concern, of course, is the planet uh, and the lowest possible impact on the planet. And so – and when we realize that hempcrete about – I'm going to go with 70% of the incredible performance and durability of hempcrete um, is really the lime. And uh, and hemp being the most optimal cellulose to work with that lime for, for a building insulation mm-hmm. or for a construction uh, infill. And yet we're, we're having to deal with the fact that it, lime must be mined from quarries, then it's heavy and it's shipped from uh, different parts of the world here. And so constantly always trying to solve that problem. And it sounds like you guys are just there solving uh, that problem. So, or challenge, I should say. So that's just really fantastic. And um, let me ask you this. Uh, what is the smallest? Can someone just buy a bag of binder and a bag of hemp core from Hempitecture to do their own experimenting? You, you've, you've got a, a minimum order is, is a bag. Am I right? Yes, we, we can do single bags. That's absolutely okay. Um, and we can go even further where we sell DIY hempcrete blocks. And so we'll give you small pouches of hemp, small pouches of binder. Uh, you mix it together inside of a, a form that we also send, like a cubic form, and you're making a, a little cubic sample. And that way people can actually get their hands on the material and see how it works. Last year during the Hemp Building Summit, it was virtual, of course, but we had the world's largest hemp mixing session and I think we sent out over like 150 hempcrete DIY kits and then had everyone on the zoom call like showing off their blocks and, and Maddie walked everyone through how to mix hempcrete uh, together and I, the Guinness Book of World Records wasn't there but if they were I think they would have called it the largest hempcrete mixing session. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh, that is fantastic. I cannot believe I somehow missed that and did not participate in that, but I'm certainly not going to miss it again. That sounds fantastic. So we've gone through your training, your consulting, the the tremendous amount of of different products and, and equipment that you sell. Can you be hired? Obviously, as we know, you can't do all the hempcrete projects in the world, but can you be hired to do an installation? And if yes, is there a, is there a geographic region or for a certain cost, are you willing to go, you know, to Japan to do it? <laughs> um, I would, at this point, we are really selective about picking hempcrete projects. We can train local builders and we'll say, you know, find someone, send them to our training and they'll go back and do the project. Uh, but gone are the days where we live out of our car on someone's job site uh, building their hempcrete project uh, just because it, it's not as easy to scale the business that way. And now that we found these other ways where we just provide materials, provide training, provide consulting. Um, the last project we did was this incredible home in Austin, Texas or outside of Austin, Texas for a real estate developer down there. And it was actually a Japanese timber framed barn that was deconstructed in Japan reconstructed in the United States and completely cast in hempcrete. These Japanese carpenters, when they were, and they used no nails, it was all like pegs basically and sockets that the, the wood fits in. But when they would forget which piece of wood went where, they would go out into the field and meditate together until one of the carpenters remembered which piece went where. It was like <gasps> the most trippy building uh, site you could have ever been on. Um, and we actually had one of the largest people in the traditional, so no conventional construction industry, Matt Reisinger, come to the project, film everything, uh, do a complete like how to. I mean, he's a he's a pretty in the details, in the weeds builder for his. He's like a YouTube building influencer, and that video I saw today has over five hundred fifty thousand views on YouTube. So like Hempcrete with was is kind of hitting the mainstream awareness a little bit. Um, it was one of his most popular videos, he said. So that project was was an awesome place to showcase the material. Oh, my. First of all, fascinating story on the traditional builders from Japan. Whoa. Uh, you had me at meditate. Um, <laughs> and and also, indeed, it is this this hemp building hemp construction. We're marching it right down the field. And what a wonderful thing uh, for me to hear that. And uh, that though he's gotten over 550,000 views. This is fantastic. Uh, just the exposure and the, and the awareness um, that's really exponentially leaking into our, our consciousness. Um, let me ask you this. So for the contractors that you train, what if they feel like, Oh, I don't fully have my, I think I, I got it. It's not rocket science. As you and I both know, this mixing of the hempcrete and installing of the hempcrete is not rocket science. However, if you don't pay attention to the few very important things that you need to pay attention to, you're going to have a failed wall. So, uh, uh, But for those contractors who say, you know what, I think we got it. We got the mixing. We got the casting. We got the tamping. Um, but we, we want to be able to call you while we're on the job site if we need to. Is, is there any type of relationship like that? Obviously, there would be it, – it's a form of consulting. But do you do kind of work like that where you're not just consulting with, with potential customers or potential single-family home builders or, or other types of small construction, but, you know, the guys that are actually out there doing the building – do you consult with them as well? 
We can. If you order materials through us and we know you or you went to our contractor training and you've got a question on site, we absolutely will pick up the phone and walk you through whatever questions you have. Um, if you didn't buy our materials and you just are going it alone, then it depends on what I'm doing at the time, whether or not I'll be able to help. But um, most people, we want successful hempcrete projects getting built, right? Their success is our success. Our success is their success. Um, and so we, we want this industry to get off on the right foot and, and have beautiful buildings uh, that are going to stand for a long time. Absolutely. And I think that the that the message really to the public is, again, the ship has sailed where, you know, we're all just desperate to gain interest. The interest is now there. Um, and, and those of us who are who are doing things are busy. And if you want the expertise um, and resources and, and knowledge and network that Hempitecture has to offer, uh, the note to take is get involved with Hempitecture from the beginning, because those are the relationships that, that you are nurturing. And, and that's also for efficiency purposes. It's about building on momentum and that momentum creates efficiency and just you know a stop and start here and a stop and start there so you know build work with work with hempitecture build with hempitecture and uh and still you even hempitecture of course is not going to be able to service everybody that's what's so wonderful about hemp in general is that the idea of competition is a silly idea. <laughs> we are all going whaling at this point. It's coopetition. Um, every, mm-hmm. All of the builders need, you know, to work together. And um, and I think that the that the few really viable uh, current um, hemp construction companies that exist in the United States today, it's going to basically be all of the same. If you if you want to work with us, then you kind of should be working with us from from the beginning and we'll build on the momentum of that relationship and see each other's way to success. Now, is there anything else? Is there a question I haven't asked you or or any other surprises that we haven't addressed as we sort of come to the end of our interview, Tommy? Something you might be excited about for the future. There are a few things that I'm excited about and well, I, I guess we get, we'll talk about a few of them. Um, there's going to be a lot of research that people are now very much taking a look at these building materials and they want the bona fide testing and results. And so we just got awarded a grant with iGEMS, which is uh, like this Idaho Global Entrepreneur Mission is what it stands for. And it's $200,000 given to the University of Idaho to test our hemp wool formulation for you know the added fire resistance, the added thermal resistance. That we're, that we're putting into it, as well as hempcrete blocks made with our new Limestrong binder, as well as uh, American-grown hemp herd. So those two materials are going to be bouncing around the University of Idaho. Oh my gosh, it's it's like an architect laboratory where they develop materials. Integrated material lab is what it's called, I want to say. Um, but Maddie's leading that research, and then I myself am going to have to temporarily leave Idaho for a year and a half to two years, starting in the fall, to relocate to Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and work with the Department of Energy's Oak Ridge National Laboratory. And it sounds crazy, but yes, the Department of Energy knows about hemp building materials and wants to see this become a thing in the United States. And they are pushing for decarbonized plant-based building materials. And so we are gonna be designing all sorts of different hemp building products uh, that hopefully we can bring to market. And so I think, you know, the hemp wool and the hempcrete might be just the beginning. Uh, there could be replacements for 
hint, hint, that type of product or replacements for OSB and plywood, which we've seen certainly skyrocket up in price in the near future, because it's important that the country has a diverse set of building material supply. If we are only reliant on wood or if we're only reliant on petrochemical products or mineral wool, like look what happened during the building squeeze that's going on. We have shortages of certain materials that are stopping projects. We have a pipeline burst and now we can no longer get spray foam. Wood prices are going through the roof and sawmills aren't up to capacity to keep up with demand. Um, and so as once one of those prices gets out of whack, you know, building jobs have to stop or they have to face higher construction costs, which lead to higher living costs. Uh, so it's really, I see a lot of good research going on and I, I'm excited for the building materials that I've had in my mind that we can now actually visualize and materialize and test. I mean, this facility, the Building Technologies Research Integration Center at Oak Ridge National Laboratory is like made for testing and prototyping building materials. There's aging chambers where we can simulate 40 years of like rainfall and heating and cooling. And you would get to see how these materials would per, would perform over all this time rather than just building with them and hoping for the best. So, you know, things are things are getting there's wind behind our sails now. And it's really because people like yourself who have been screaming from the rooftop for so long and people like myself and Maddie. So, I mean, you guys are, you guys are better voices than I am. I've, I've oh, kind of stood behind the scenes. Yeah. It's really, it's really happening and coming to fruition. And um, that should be encouraging for everyone. It should so be much so you are really chopping the wood and carrying the water being a part of these, uh, these research projects. This is fascinating. I, I can't, that's even was a surprise to me that these, that these research is going on. So I'm, I'm learning about it for the first time as you're telling me, I wasn't aware of that. That is fascinating, so encouraging, so inspiring. And, uh, and we just simply don't have choices anymore. And when we think about lumber, you know, taking approximately 20 years to grow a tree, whether for paper or for dimensional lumber, whatever it is, uh, versus, you know, a fast growing, uh, renewable resource that's soaking up and absorbing carbon while it is growing. And I also realized that we made it through this entire, uh, show without my saying my favorite elevator pitch for hemp creep because we started of course talking about uh the hemp wool insulation but hemp creep fire resistant mold resistant pest resistant rot resistant and with a 12 to 18 inch wall depending on how close you are to a pole or an equator and really good windows we can keep that home at an interior ambient temperature of around 60 degrees Fahrenheit every year. It will last for years and years, anywhere from 100 years to 800 years. There are certainly structures standing still. Uh, and when we're done with the life of that hempcrete building, of course, it can either be reused slowly, little by little, put into the larger, fresher basses, batches of your new hempcrete home, or of course, used as a soil amendment. I mean, durable reusable, recyclable. Oh my goodness. Uh, it is the gift that keeps on giving. Folks, if you want to get in touch with Maddie Mead and Tommy Gibbons and their growing team at Hempitecture, please go to hempitecture.com and other assets will be on our website at podconnects.com. That's P-O-D-C-O-N-X.com. And you can look at Maddie's uh, bio and uh, figure out how to reach him through there. You need 
consulting, you need training for your contractors, you need projects, please get to Hempitector. Tommy, it has been such an honor and a pleasure to have you on today. I can't wait to continue to follow you uh, and Maddie. I'm just cheering you on from Seattle and looking forward to our next encounter, brother. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you, Joy. I'm so glad we ran into each other at NOCO. And um, it, it's so much fun now that we've been, I'm still relatively new. I know you've been working in this industry such a long time, but it's a, it's a family and it's very collegial. And um, what, what the future holds, I guess it's up to us, all of us. On that perfect note, thank you once again, Tommy. It's up to us. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Cannabis Health Radio is a podcast about stories from people around the world who have used cannabis to deal with serious ailments, many of them life-threatening. My name is Ian Jessup. My co-host, Corey Yelland, is no stranger to the devastating emotional impact faced by so many people receiving a death sentence diagnosis from a doctor. Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer, such as chronic pain, PTSD, MS, and many, many more. As one of our guests said, your podcast gave me the confidence to save my own life. We regularly get messages from listeners who have heard our podcast and use cannabis to solve a serious health issue of their own or that of a loved one. We hope you listen to these stories and be as inspired and moved as we are with each and every episode.